Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. The following podcast comes from a live stream I did recently. Many of you have requested that I make my live streams available as audio so you can listen to them on the go. So I am now republishing some of my most popular live streams as podcasts to make that possible. I share a boatload of valuable tips, tools, methods, and processes on my live streams, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, you may hear me make references to slide visuals, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, or to live stream viewers' comments and questions, but that just comes with the territory and generally won't detract from the value of the content, I assure you. And as always, if you like this episode, please take a moment to provide a star rating or review on your favorite podcast listening platform, or better yet, share the episode on social or with a friend or a colleague. And with that, let's jump into the episode. All right, so let's talk about something really cool. We're going to talk about strategic partnerships. And in particular, this is how you can scale your freelance business in a way that's not painful, in a way that's not bringing on full-time employees. It's not doing brick and mortar. It's a low risk with a whole lot of upside. And it's called strategic partnerships. If you are a freelancer or an independent person, you are part of the new consulting economy. The move towards individual consulting work, freelance work, independent employment has been skyrocketing in the last few years. So in 2020, Upwork did a, did a survey and found that 59 million Americans in the United States, 36% of the American workforce are independent contractors or freelancers. That is pretty astounding. So that makes this topic even more important and more kind of pivotal because There's so much opportunity in this for you guys. So here's the executive summary. The executive summary is it doesn't have to be just you. Does this feel like you? Your connections are either coworkers at the agency or in-house place that you work, or you have a bunch of LinkedIn connections or people that you are are friends locally in real life. Maybe you have some ex-coworkers. Maybe you have some ex-schoolmates from long ago that you keep in contact with. But essentially, that network is not feeding you work. That, that is not actively working to get you work. It is what I like to call a weak network. It is a network, yes, but it is a weak network. And so that's you now. You in the future is having a meaningful network, having more opportunities, bigger and better clients, bigger projects, more money, more money. I was really hesitant to put making more money in the title of this because YouTube, like Google, sees everything. And they might downgrade this in search if it sounds like it's a quick get rich money scheme. But to a certain extent, in this case, it's not a scheme, but it is a way to make more money. And so today, I'm going to share the benefits of working with strategic partnerships, how to meet people, how to vet them, how to engage partners and how it works, and what the benefits are that could be for you. And then I'm also going to share at the end one of the quickest and easiest and most painless ways to get started with this exact thing that I'm going to be talking about. So I want you to stay with me to the end because this kind of super secret black ops project that I've been working on 
is geared all around this. Okay. It's geared to get you started with this thing that I'm going to be talking about today. So how can partnerships help you? First of all, expanded services. So what do partnerships do? Partnerships will expand what you are able to offer. Let's say you're a graphic designer. You, the idea is to make acquaintances, make connections, business partnerships with people who offer complementary services to what you do. So if you're a graphic designer, you may want to make and develop relationships with copywriters or brand strategists or advertising specialists or motion designers or UX, UI people, web developers, people who do what you don't do. You want to start developing relationships with people who do what you don't do. The goal is to provide a broader suite of branding services. Now, here's a question I get asked all the time. People are always asking me, how do I get big clients? Because my portfolio is full of like huge clients because I work for huge companies and huge agencies. So I had huge clients. And then the last eight years, I have small to medium-sized clients because that was a planful thing for me. But a lot of freelancers want to get bigger and bigger clients. And this is how you do it. Unless you have direct connections or a killer new business funnel where you can upscale what you're doing and upscale your connections and find entree into larger client corporations, this is one of the best ways that you can do that. This is the answer to that question of how you get big clients. What we're talking about is essentially building a virtual agency. It doesn't have to be this way on every project. That's the other thing. It doesn't have to be this way every project that you do. It could be just on certain projects or when you feel like it or when you have a, a dip in new business coming in, you can leverage these sorts of partnerships. And the other thing I wanted to tell you guys, and this is really important and it connects right back to the topic of the consulting economy and the growth of the consulting economy. I used to work at big global agencies, right? I had clients like GE and Coca-Cola and Disney and PetSmart and Safeway and big clients. And when I was in these global agencies, before I left the global agency world, we started to see one of our cornerstone clients was P&G. We started to see P&G, one of the largest CPG corporations in the United States, global corporations, start to use independent virtual agencies and consultancies, small groups of three to five people who were senior people, had experience, and they would give them projects that they were normally giving to big agencies. Why did they do that? They did it because these smaller consultancies can work faster. They're less of a pain in the butt. They can turn around really quality level work because of the same level people who are working at the big agencies. And it's generally cheaper and it happens faster. And so there's a lot of things in it for these big corporations to work with agencies like this. Here's the other thing, and this is another real life story. When I left the global agency world and went back to the in-house world, and I was the vice president of global snacks for PepsiCo, I was overseeing all of the global snacks, Lay's potato chips, Fritos, Cheetos, Doritos, designed for all of those major foods. And while I was at PepsiCo, I managed external agencies. And I was starting to give projects to like a little firm with five people in Vermont. I gave a global Cheetos project to because I knew that I could have given it to some other big giant global agency, but I knew that number one, the people who worked at that little place were great. They were very senior people. They were doing amazing work. They had worked for some of these larger corporations already. 
And they didn't have brick and mortar, so they were cheaper. They were partners. They didn't have full-time employees, so they were flexible and agile. And I knew I wasn't going to be paying for people that I wasn't using as the client at, at Pepsi. And they were going to turn around the work fast, and they were going to do it probably at two-thirds the cost of a global agency. So I used them. So this is the paradigm shift. This is what is happening in the agency world because client corporations are under a tremendous amount of pressure. They have to, they have diminishing budgets. They still have to meet all the deliverables of marketing and everything that they do, but they get squeezed. And so where do they go? They go to smaller agencies who can really kick out this work. So what I'm going to be talking to you about today, this establishing strategic partnerships is putting you in the sort of class of people that are getting used more and more and more by larger clients. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about taking you and building some strategic partnerships around you that are going to put you and morph you into this sort of virtual agency that can start to work in this way. What are some of the other things that it can do for you? The biggest thing is it can increase your capacity. So it enables you to work with larger and more complex projects because your bandwidth is not just you anymore. It also enables you, like I said, to work with larger clients who are now open to working with people like this. If larger clients are what you want, you may be very happy with the size and scale, small to medium-sized businesses, startups, entrepreneurs that you work with right now. And that's totally cool. This is not only about working with really giant clients. So if you set up strategic partnerships with people who are working with small to medium-sized businesses and startups, then that's fine. But it really increases your capacity. And before, you might have even turned down opportunities that were the the, the scope and scale of a project that came to your agency you weren't able to handle. And so it was more than one person could do. And you might have passed on it. So it also increases your brain power. So if you're in partnership with one, two, three other people, it increases your brain power to solve problems. So when you're solving problems for the client or a problem comes up that they're asking you about, it's not just you coming up with the answer. It's you and the other brain of the other partner that you're working with. And so it increases the brain power that you have at your disposal. It also increases the creative ideation that you have at your disposal, creative feedback and when you get great creative feedback, then your quality control goes up on your designs too, right? And in an overall, it increases the opportunity and the likelihood, that's the word, the likelihood that you're going to get these opportunities. The end result is that you are going to be able to scale your business faster than just you. The next thing that this does for you is that you can get more clients. You get more clients and you can get more work. Think of your new business funnel or any business funnel for that matter, right? Funnel, initial contact, brand awareness, and then they get in contact with your content. They see more of you. They may engage with you. And then we drive towards the bottom part of the sales funnel where they become an opportunity or a prospect. When you work with other people, they have their own sales funnels too, right? They have their own network, their own ex-clients, their own history. So when you partner with people, you are essentially widening and multiplying the open end of your new business funnel. So you are exponentially growing your reach two, three, four times. It depends on how many people that you are setting up partnerships with. 
And also, partners can introduce each other, if they choose to, to their respective client networks because what goes around comes around. So it opens up access to what you wouldn't be able to get, <laughs> what you, clients you wouldn't be able to connect with, opportunities you wouldn't know about, and possible projects that are beyond the scope of your capability, right? New categories of industries, maybe that you haven't worked with before. Maybe you've been all B2C and you want to start working with B2B companies. B2B companies, number one, need branding and design so badly, as you may know, and they're just really bad at it. They're really bad at doing it and placing value on it. And if you find a network connection or strategic partner who is in that category, in that B2B category, that can really like open up your funnel like amazingly if you're in B2C, right? Or say you do a whole lot of work in pharma and you find someone who knows a lot of food category stuff, you start working together. Suddenly you're two gigantic industries. Now, here's another question that I get asked all the time, right? And this is an important question. I want all of you guys to pay attention to this one and listen to this one. How do I get clients in the United States? So international people always ask me, how do I get clients in the United States? And then people in the United States go, how do I get international clients? How do I get outside of just my state, my area, my region? How do I expand this? What I'm talking about today, this is how you do it. Because if you start to establish strategic partnerships with people who are in other countries and have other networks, you give them the opportunity to start getting work in the United States, if you're in the US, and if you're in the EU or if you're in Europe or Asia PAC, you get the opportunity to start getting work, bringing people in so the US people can get international work and the international people can get US work. It's a really, really important paradigm redefinition okay, of how you get new business. The next one is learning and development. And so one of the cool things about strategic partnerships is that you will learn new things. Everybody, all of us, even me, we have a certain silo of things we know. I'm brand strategy, graphic design, business consulting, and I do copywriting fairly well too. I can write a marketing plan, but I'm not like an insane expert at it. I don't really major in, in paid advertising. I'm not a, an incredible user research person. I can do it on TV, but you know, if we're talking about focus groups and like really deep user research projects, that's not me. But by having strategic partnerships, I can learn about these other capability sets. So I can learn about paid advertising and developing marketing plans and doing user research and very deep and complex brand voice projects. By working with partners, you get exposed to their processes, their systems, their output, what it is that they do, the questions they ask, how they interact with their clients. And that will, you'll be able to soak in some of that stuff and you learn new methods, new technologies, new techniques. Another thing that you learn is you learn people management. So a lot of us have worked by ourselves for a long time. I, my whole career was managing teams until I went independent. And so I had a tremendous experience with managing projects and teams and stuff, but a lot of people have been working independently for a long time and may not have been driving projects forward with multiple people involved in it. Maybe you and a client or you and multiple stakeholders in the client organization, but maybe not on your side that there's multiple people. So 
It gives you an opportunity to practice and learn project management and also people management by doing strategic partnerships. It also, another thing that you learn is it really ups your communication skills <laughs> because not only do you put on your game hat and your, your business face when you're working with clients, but you also have to develop communication skills internally. So, you know, how you are going to manage projects and interactions and communication with the client and presentations and all that sort of stuff, it will increase your level of your communication skills by doing this. And it also helps you practice reciprocal relationships. So that's relationships where you are giving and they are giving. You are giving, you're receiving. It's essentially like we're both winning, but we're also both contributing. So it gives you opportunity to kind of practice that that dynamic. Another thing that it helps you with is it helps you stay on top of trends and best practices in the industry. Here's the other really big thing that you get in the learning development category, and that is that you feel supported. By working with other people on projects, there's a level of comfort and support that comes from that, that doing something in more of a community fashion. And so that's just yet another benefit of this. You feel a little less isolated in your decision-making and how you're thinking about things, all of that sort of stuff. And I'm going to get to like how you find these people and also how you engage and start working. These are kind of the benefits, but also what really comes with being able to do strategic partnerships. Another thing is shared resources and costs. So when you're working with other people, you can share resources. You can share the resources that they use, software, (laughs) subscriptions, office space, maybe virtual assistants, like human resources. You can also share costs. You may By working together, when you're having to purchase something for a client, you're splitting that cost. There are financial benefits of purchasing power, joint investment in marketing, et cetera, in promotion. If you were buying ads or if you're promoting your services, you are that single outlay of expenditure to promote is benefiting both of you. Overall, the benefit of this is that one of the major benefits is that it really reduces costs and it also creates a level of operational efficiency in your new business efforts. Another big, big thing that strategic partnerships do is that they enhance your credibility and your authority. So by working with larger clients on more complex projects, your portfolio is going to get more robust. So it's going to show better. You're going to, you're going to have bigger clients. Those logos on your website are going to be more recognizable companies. And therefore, your credibility and your capabilities is going to go up. Also, your reputation as a subject matter expert, as a player in the industry, is going to go up because people are going to know that you're good, that you're working on larger projects, larger endeavors, bigger clients. The knowledge of you and your reputation is going to spread. Your level of authority you're being recognized for being really good at what you do is going to go up. Also, because of that, because of your authority as that that rises, your level of influence is going to go up. That, That more people have worked with you and more people know about you. And not only is your funnel bigger, but your reputation is bigger. Okay. It builds your personal brand in this way. It builds your portfolio. It's bigger. It's more impressive. And more than anything, it builds your confidence because you're showing up in a very different way. You're showing up in a bigger, more robust way. And yes, it takes more work on your part, 
but the benefits are massive. And by working in strategic partnerships, it really up-levels your confidence in everything that you do, from your decision-making to your creative, to your pitching to clients, to your communicating, to your presentation skills. All of those things are affected in a very, very positive way. One of the things I love this photo, one of those things that strategic partnerships do also is risk sharing. So how does it mitigate risk? By working in strategic partnerships, you have essentially disaster backup. So if someone gets really sick or breaks a leg, there's more of one than one of you. So there's someone can continue to communicate with a client. Someone can continue to keep the project going forward. You're essentially getting emotional and you're getting intellectual support from this. So there's a little less risk and you're being out there on your own. And there's a little less fear about venturing into new business areas, new categories of business that you might not be familiar with. So the risk of looking bad or screwing up is also mitigated because you have that support and there's more than one brain working on this thing and there's more than one person working on this thing. The risk is distributed. So when you're making financial investments, this could be in resources and SaaS products or fonts or mock-ups or plugins. It could also be your investment in your time and your energy. You're distributing bandwidth too. You're also distributing your investment in, in your time and energy in the project in a broader way. So you can keep the energy and the output coming up with less kind of work and pressure on you, if that makes sense. It essentially improves your chances of success in the project. And it also builds your meaningful network. And at the very beginning of this presentation, I was talking about how maybe right now you might classify your network as being a weak network rather than a super meaningful revenue generating client getting network. Working with strategic partnerships, it establishes and deepens your professional relationships in general. It's mutually profitable. So you're sharing and you're multiplying your client lists. You're sharing and you're multiplying your knowledge and your skills. You're sharing and you're multiplying your resources. It makes freelancing more profitable and less lonely. It increases your network and your new business funnel. And the other thing that it increases, the other funnel that it increases is your people funnel, meaning new people, new relationships, new kind of integration into the creative community, the people that you know, the skill sets that you have at your disposal, it increases that too. So there's all sorts of benefits of doing this. And the other thing I want to say is that it also is more fun. It kind of makes working on projects more fun because there's a level of community to it. And there's a level of karma to it too. By sharing the wealth, sharing your client list, sharing a project, sharing the bottom line, the revenue that comes in is kind of like what goes around comes around. You can have a richer, more fulfilling professional career. It's more fun. There's really good karma in that exchange of ideas and exchange of clients and exchange of capabilities for a mutual benefit. You're helping others succeed. And if you follow me at all, you've heard me repeat ad nauseum Zig Ziglar's quote that says, you can get everything you want out of life by helping other people get what they want out of life. And that is so true about this paradigm of strategic partnerships. It is great karma. You are helping other people succeed. You're helping your clients succeed. 
and you're helping your, your partners succeed and they're helping you succeed. It's just great. It's great karma. Okay, so let's get in the nitty gritty. So how do you find partners? The goal is to find partners with complementary skills. Like I said at the beginning, you're a graphic designer, you find copywriters, motion designers, user research people, web developers, UX, UI people, photographers. The list goes on and on and on through the capability set of creative professionals. Now, here's the thing. In my experience, 80% of new people are open to these sorts of relationships. So where do you find people? You find they could be ex-coworkers. Number one, your LinkedIn connections. A lot of people collect connections, but then they don't go look at them. Go look at them. See who you're connected with. Ex-coworkers, ex-schoolmates, your LinkedIn connections, people in professional organizations. Are you a member of the AIGA, the American Institute of Graphic Arts? If not, you should be. And go to conferences, social media marketing world, Adobe Max, like I mentioned at the very beginning, which is in LA in October. Go to the How Conference. There's tons and tons of new conferences for graphic designers or creative pros. Go to them. Introduce yourself. Try to find people who do what you don't do. In real life events like Creative Mondays, Facebook groups like the Brand Design Masters Facebook group, mastermind groups. Mastermind groups are an amazing, amazing way to find and make new connections of this type. And I'm going to go deep into that very shortly. So that's how you find, that's where you find partners. So how do you vet them? How do you start engaging with them? Number one, the first thing you want to ask is what skills do they have? You engage them. Okay. So you're on email, you do a Zoom where you're just introducing yourselves to each other. Let's get on Zoom and I'd love to hear about what you do and share what I do. See if there's any synergies there. Stupid word, but it's true. Or you're at a conference and you're standing next to someone. You just strike up the conversation. The cool thing about this, it's not a pitch to someone to get them to use you. What it is, is you're establishing a relationship with someone to work with so you can both go off and do something together. So the dynamic in that conversation is much more relaxed because you're really honestly just trying to find out what people do. So what skills do they have? What industries do they work in? What favorite projects have they done? You want to get to know them personally, professionally. You want to kind of discover their temperament because you're going to be working with people here. So you want to kind of judge them. Is their temperament a good personality temperament for years? Is it a good complementary temperament? Some people are great gung-ho sort of sales people. They are up in front in the room. Some graphic designers are really quiet and meek and introverted and don't like that interaction. Could you find someone, strategic partner, who really kind of augments your communication skill set? Is the temperament fit there? What's their work history? You want to look at their portfolio. What kind of clients do they have? What kind of projects have they worked on? What does their work look like? Does their work look really good? You want to review it with a critical eye. Because if this person is working a project with you, you want to make sure that what they're bringing to the table is the quality of work that you want to associate yourself with. Do they have any client testimonials? Have there been any reviews? You want to look on their LinkedIn. Has anyone given them a recommendation? Read them. You want to vet these partners. One of the biggest and most important questions to ask them is how much do they charge? How much do they charge for what they do? Do they charge hourly if they're a consultant? Do they charge project-based? And this is a very important question, and I'll tell you why. It's a really important question because you've got to mark it up. When you work in partnerships, you don't just go, okay, what do you charge? Okay, we'll take that amount. What do I charge? We'll take that amount. We'll add those two amounts together. And that's what we'll propose to the client. Yes, you can do it that way. 
but you can also mark their services up. So you can say, hey, you charge $1,000 for a motion design thing. I'm going to add 25% to that because I own the client relationship and I'm going to have to do some communication with that person to kind of integrate the work and also to lead that part of the project. It's going to be more complex to talk to the client about marking their work up a little bit so you get some money out of what they're doing makes it even nicer for you. And the chances are is they're going to do the same thing if you're working with them on a project with one of their clients. So you want to find out how much they charge because you're going to have to mark it up. And you have to realize that if they're charging really premium prices and you're going to mark up a premium price, you got to be able to integrate that and feel comfortable about that and working that into your budgets. Okay. So that's a pricing thing that you got to keep in mind. And then what's their communication style? What's the best way to communicate? Do they like Zoom? Do they like email? Do they like SMS? Again, what's that temperament? How well is this relationship going to work? That's another thing you want to take into consideration as you're engaging and vetting people. So when you're engaging them, you say some of the first pieces of that conversation are, say you get on Zoom. You get on Zoom, you say, what do you do? Who have you worked for? What do you charge? What do you like to do? What are your, what's your typical engagement look like? And then you have to ask, what is it that you can do for them? What can you bring to the table for them? You have to give in order to receive. You say, hey, I got this project, I have this client, and we might be able to integrate some of what you do into this project, or I might be able to upsell them to incorporate something of what you do into this project. I can, there's something to give you to bring in. And you ask them, are there any projects that you're working on where we might be able to integrate some of my capability set into that? Or do you work with clients where I can, you have the opportunity sometimes to up-level or expand that project to be more robust? You don't want to be shy. It lets them ask you too, because people have a tendency, we can be guarded about our clients. We can be guarded about who we know, who we work for, but this is where you got to open up a little bit. You have to kind of like have a level of trust and you have to vet them personality-wise beforehand to gauge that. And there's going to be a contractual thing in here too. And this is really important. This is one of the watchouts. I'm going to get that to that in just a second, but you want to contractually have some things in place. So when you do divulge information, you know that it's safe to do so. And then you want to stay in touch every six to eight weeks after you meet someone, you vet them and you say, Hey, if you know, something comes your way, I'd be great for, I'm open to it and vice versa. You keep in touch every six to eight weeks, send them an email, just say, hi, say what you're working on. Tell them what you're working on. Keep the relationship warm. The other thing is, is that after you meet two or three people like this, you want to constantly date. What I like to say, you want to keep dating, even though you're in a relationship, because you want to have at your disposal multiple people who do the thing that this person does. So if it's a copywriter and you've developed this relationship with a copywriter, you want to keep dating because you want to kind of keep meeting copywriters because you want to have more than one of these people as partners at your disposal. Why? Why do you do that? Because number one, your funnel is getting larger and larger and larger. Every relationship you make, every potential partnership that you vet, your new business funnel is getting larger and larger. Number one, that's the main reason. Number two is that say you get a project that needs copywriting and you contact this one copywriter who is your first strategic partner relationship that you vetted. And you say, I got this project, right? It's a brand voice project. I'm doing strategy. I really need brand voice. And it starts in two weeks and it's an eight-week project. And they go, oh, bummer, I'm going on vacation 
<laughs> for the next month. And you go, ah, oh, you got to have options. People get busy. They have other projects. They go on vacation. So you want to keep dating. You want to have multiple options. And then when you start, when you start and bringing people in, the best thing to do is really kind of stick with lower stakes projects at the beginning. You don't want to bring someone to like one of the biggest, most kind of, if this is possible, if you can work with someone on a small scale, do that first. And then you also, when you're doing that in those low stakes engagements, you want to really pay attention. How are they communicating with you? How are they are they organized? Are they showing up promptly? Are they hitting their deadlines? What's the quality of work that they're delivering? All this sort of stuff. You want to really, really pay attention. And here are the watchouts. You want to pay attention. Do they have similar values and goals that you do? Do they have the same motivation? Do they have the same mindset? Are they on your mission? You want to engage and develop relationships with people who are on your mission. And so it feels like a balance and a mutual beneficial relationship. And this is the important thing. You want to have some agreements in place. So when you start vetting people and you start get to that conversation where you're, you're sharing clients or projects with each other, you want to have a couple agreements in place with each other. And it goes both ways. You want to have some contracts and legal agreements in place. One is a non-compete. So you want to make sure that if you're sharing clients with your strategic partner, that they can't then go off and just work that client independently. They may be able to do so in like two years, but you want to have a non-compete in place. It's a simple agreement, legal agreement that says every client or project that I share with you concerning this client, you can't work with that client without me being involved for 12 months, for 24 months. It's a non-compete that has, is time-bound and keeps them from going around you to work with this client that you've now introduced that client to. So it protects you and kind of binds you together with an agreement that's going to establish a level of trust and understanding with you. Another is an NDA. You want to have a non-disclosure agreement with your partners too, meaning any project work, client work that you share with them, they can't share it with anybody else. You want to make sure that they are under NDA with you. Many times when I work with clients, I have to sign an NDA because I'm working with proprietary information. Right now, I'm working with a transportation client or super innovative transportation client and I'm under an NDA. I can't even, I can't talk about it, but I'm using outside people in this project too. So they have signed NDAs with me. So I know that when I share this information, they're not going to go post it on social media or Facebook. Okay. So you want to have NDAs in place. And another part of that you can have in the non-compete, you can have a finder fee. So you find a project with a client that you have, but that client only wants the copywriting. You can establish a relationship so you can actually bring that person in. They'll work the project, but you get a percentage. So you get a finder fee. That also can be time-bound. And it's a way of sharing clients and sharing work, and you're financially benefiting from it. So there's mutual benefit in everything, but it kind of takes you out of the process. So there's a few financial agreements that you should get in place to make sure that you don't end up butting heads or stealing clients from each other or any kind of bad blood. And both of you should have these agreements in place for each other. And once you sign it, it's signed. You can sign non-disclosures that are general. You can also do non-competes that are general, meaning not around a specific client. So it can just be a standing non-compete. So any client that you bring with them, there's a period of time from the time they hear about that client 
to 12 months, 24 months that they can't work independently with that client. All right. Now, top line, the very top line of this whole thing is that there are massive benefits from having strategic partnerships. It injects new life, new scale, new excitement into your business. It grows exponentially your new client funnel. If you work in, internationally, it could expand globally your footprint and the, the footprint of your funnel for new business. It builds authority, it builds influence, it builds reputation, it increases your visibility, it increases your presence, it increases your being mentioned and talked about within your industry. There are virtually no downsides to doing this sort of thing. It adds a level of complexity, yes, when you're working with a project, but it brings so much growth to the table, growth professionally in your capability set, but also growth in your business and scale in your business. Now, I said I was going to share with you the absolute easiest way to get started with this. And the easiest way to get started with it is masterminds. The best way to find people who are or saying yes, people are saying, yes, I'm open to this. Easiest way to find people who are motivated like you are, ambitious like you are, are creative professionals who are accomplished and have a different capability set and are ready to go is in the mastermind group. You are speeding your professional development. You are unlocking potential of what you might've even thought was possible. In mastermind groups, you get inspiration, you get motivation, you set goals, you are held accountable for those goals, so you move forward faster. It's an amazing freelance loneliness solution too because you're instantiating yourself into a community and you're meeting different subject matter experts than yourself. And here's the most important thing. It builds a level of confidence in you, in your decision-making around everything that you do in your business from your design work to your processes to how you're going about your business, you can get inspired by other people. So from what I shared with you in this live stream, you can tell that I'm super passionate about the power of mastermind communities. And that's because participating in masterminds helped me break through to a whole new level of professional accomplishment at a really critical, pivotal time in my career. And masterminds also helped me build deep, meaningful network relationships and gave me the motivation and the accountability to build the personal brand and the business that I have today. So I really want to share that power with you too. A couple of years ago, I ran a series of 10-person mastermind groups called the Brand Design Masters Guild. They were 12 weeks long and they were really super successful and the people in them really loved them. But at the end, everyone said the same thing. They said, I wish this didn't have to end. So right then and there, I decided I was going to build a mastermind community that didn't end. And that's why I'm starting a membership community for established creative professionals called Bonfire. So why am I calling it Bonfire? There's this book that I talk about all the time by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. And there's this great quote in it that says, when a log that has only just started to burn is placed next to one that's burning fiercely, and after a while, they're separated again, the first log will be burning with a much greater intensity. After all, it's the same fire. And I thought that that quote perfectly captured the power of mastermind groups. The people who gather in mastermind groups really are literally on fire, and anyone who joins can't help but catch fire too. So here's just a little what bonfire membership, or as I like to call it, embership. Get it? Bonfire? Embers? Okay, sorry. Embership includes bi-weekly Zoom mastermind calls where you'll get group coaching from me and also from other accomplished peers in the group. 
And all these calls are going to be recorded so you can review them or catch up if you just happen to miss one. And there's a private community forum on the Circle platform for engaging with other members between calls so you can ask questions and get feedback and stuff like that. And that's also where you can access the group's constantly growing content library for additional resources and training. And there's also, which is really amazing, a mobile app so you can access Bonfire on the go. And one added bonus that I'm planning on having is that I'm going to bring in subject matter experts to come in periodically as guest speakers to talk about topics that are trending and their tactics and their particular specialty. And as an ember, you'll get access to the Fire Milestones, which is a success map that's designed so you can plan the next steps in your career and your business and know exactly where you need to go and what you need to do to get there. I can guarantee you're going to build rock-solid relationships with other really highly accomplished peers in the group meetings and also when you're paired with a range of accountability partners. And as an added bonus, I'm going to be giving Bonfire Embers discounted access to Brand Strategy 101, which is my signature course, and ongoing follow-up support so you can know exactly how to build strategy into your creative practice so you can offer it to your clients. And in Bonfire, you're going to make really lifelong personal friendships, and they're going to form a web of really truly meaningful network connections that's going to light your professional development on fire. The value that you're going to receive from Bonfire is going to be worth 10 times the investment, I guarantee you. So if you're interested in finding out more about it, just go to philipvandusen.com bonfire and sign up to get alerted for when we go live. Again, it's philipvandusen.com bonfire, B-O-N-F-I-R-E. And I hope to see you beside the bonfire. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.